There are only two types of budgets. That's right, only two types of budgets for any age, whether you're in your late teens and you've got your first job and you're still at school and you're working casually, whether you're in your early 20s and you're at university and working part-time, whether you're well into your career, whether you've got a family and you've got multiple incomes and multiple expenses and multiple accounts, whether you're an empty nester, maybe it's just you and your partner left in the house, you've still got income coming in, there are only two types of budgets. What if you're over 60? What if you're retired? You fit into these two categories and we're going to chat about them today. We're also going to talk about the two budget killers. Now, I'm doing these episodes as a reminder, it still is the start of the year and I don't think the year starts until after Australia Day. So we are realistically at the start of a year still. So I want to talk about some of these basic things. We can't do today's episode without the help of Sky Wealth. Sky, they provide insurances for you and your loved ones. I'm talking about life and income insurances. You are the biggest asset. You need to protect you. If you weren't around anymore, will you leave your spouse and kids without a mortgage and with cash in the bank? It's up to you. You've only got one shot at doing this. Sky and the team believe that everybody deserves to have all options presented to them when it comes to their personal insurances. You can go to sky.com.au and reach out, have a 15-minute conversation. They'll walk you through the process and you're in such great hands. Please make it a priority to get your life and income insurances sorted out today. My name's Glenn James. We're going to talk all about budgets and we might even talk about how to start this year. Well, I've got some ideas that might help you. Let's do a podcast. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. Radio, so you might be wondering, what are these two types of budgets? Well, it's really simple. And I like to teach one of these styles. A lot of you may know what the styles are, so I'm just going to tell you right now. So there are only two types of budgets, and this is more from a business sense, but it so applies to us in personal finance land. The first style of budget is a top-down budget. The second type of budget is a bottom-up budget. Now, we'll break both of them down, but I just want to start with the way I teach budgeting, and that is with the bottom-up approach. And what do I mean by bottom-up approach? Well, for those who have ever had anything to do with businesses, you may have done business studies, you may have heard of a profit and loss statement in business. Well, our personal finances are very similar to a business. Everyone has income coming in, everyone has expenses, and what's left over, we hope that well, we hope that there is money left over because if money isn't left over and there's a deficit between what's coming in and what's going out, you're in a really big pickle. And generally speaking, if you've got credit card debt, afterpay, personal loans, and you've never really got on top of your debt, it's probably because you're overspending. Now, it's really simple to say all this stuff, but it's harder in practice because 
we are human beings. We're not human doings. Like if we're going to be human doings, we'll do this good, right? But because we are humans, there are habits, there are behaviors that we've got to attack. The reason why I believe a bottom-up budget is the best way to go if you already have an income and you've already been established in your life, and we'll talk about those who are at university and some late teens, the reason why the bottom-up budget is easier to start with is because we've all got expenses. Like, for example, if you were still living at home, and you might be living at home, you might be living at home, you might be 16 years old listening to this, and if you are, congratulations for listening to this at age 16 or 17. You've probably got one or two expenses in your life. It might be your phone bill, might be going out, a bit of entertainment, and a bit of board, maybe, okay? So when we're younger, we've got less commitments. But if I'm talking to a couple of 35-year-olds who have been out in the trenches for 15 years, they're going to have a lot more financial commitments and it's going to be harder to change. So when we talk about the first style, which is the bottom up, we list all our expenses, absolutely list all our expenses. And a shameless plug, and it's not really a plug because it's free, so I'm not trying to sell it. This is how I teach the Glenn James Spending Plan. We get you to list all your expenses and then it reconciles that against your income and it tells us how much is left over to either pay down debt, to invest, or to put towards goals. So the reason why this is so important is it gets you on track sooner. If I just said as a blanket, all right, everyone, welcome to the podcast. If you're not saving 30% of all your income, you're an idiot, do it today. It just wouldn't work. If I said, all right, everyone, you've got to cut out your car, sell the car, get rid of the car loan, don't eat out at all. I need you to save this. I need you to do that. You're going to go get stuffed not doing it too hard. Similarly, if you went to a personal trainer and they're like, all right, from tomorrow, all you're eating, three meals a day, five days a week, all you're eating is celery and carrots. That's all you're doing. You're not going to last because what happens is without human nature and our behaviors, we could strategically want to do something and agree on that. But bringing our habits and behaviors behind us, that's the lag. That's what takes time. That's why we have to do things slowly. If you're new to budgeting and personal finance and you've got a crap load of debt, what I say is forget about the debt, just focus on getting a system in place because we need to get you onto a system. So by doing the bottom-up budget, we're just accounting for everything and then we're going to look at how much money is coming in and if there is money left over, we can then allocate that to paying down debt. We can then allocate that to uh, our emergency fund. We then can allocate that to future goals or investing. You see, when we talk about the bottom-up budget, the reason why I don't really want you to cut out anything to start with is because I just want to get you on a budget. The Glen James Spending Planner will change your life if you let it. It will start to allow you to implement some behaviors. And if you have used that spreadsheet before and you haven't updated it recently, make this an encouragement for you to get in there and update it. It's a living document, mine's on Google Sheets. Every time an annual expense comes in, I just update it and do a slight tweak. Your budget is a living and breathing thing. You need to give it attention or it will die. I've got one of those uh, lily things in my lounge room, like everyone in the world. 
And if I don't look after it, if I don't give it the right amount of light, if I don't water it, <laughs> it's not going to last. And don't make me go back and do a lemon tree analogy again. I've done that and it was terrible. So don't make me do that again. So the reason why we want to start with a bottom up budget is because it gets us a system and happening fast. Now, part of that bottom up budget, you might put all your expenses in, work out what the difference is between income and expenses and go, oh, I've got $200 a month or I've got $100 a week or I've got $50 a week left over. You can start to go, okay, sweet. I want to live in a real economy. I don't want to live in a false economy. The problem with debt and credit cards and buy now, pay later is it has your personal finances and money living in a false economy. And the longer you live in a false economy, the harder it is to get out. I'll say that again. The longer that you live in a false economy, the harder it is to get out. The longer that you have a Magnum ice cream every night after dinner, the harder it is to stop. So we need to make it easy for our behaviors. Once you've got the bottom up budget in check, what you do is then, you might give it a couple of months, then you can go back through and then slowly start to review line items. Like if someone was new to budgeting and someone was new to personal finance and they wanted to get a system in place, there's no way I'm telling them to cancel everything. Cancel all your subscriptions. Don't go out. No, let's get a couple of bank accounts set up. Let's get a weekly spend account set up. Let's get the system happening. So then, okay, that wasn't so bad. We've done that. Now we can go and start optimizing and seeing where we can trim some fat. Because much like dieting and healthy lifestyles, we don't want to just cut something out and not enjoy life. We want to probably temper something and have it once a week, not every day. So my anecdotal weight loss stuff, it's not the whole quote unquote diet. It's being a healthy eater, not just cutting out crap. Life's about balance, life's about blend, but human nature gets involved in every part of our life. And if it goes unchecked, we end up overweight or we end up in credit card debt. Simple as that. Before I go to the top down budget, with the bottom up budget, what it kind of would go, if you can imagine a flow chart, it would go earning comes in, then spending then I might carve some short-term savings, so under one year. Then I might carve off another part of long-term savings, like less than five years. And then I'll do the investing for five years plus. The reason why we need to factor in everything and do it methodically like this is because if we just went, oh, I'm just investing straight away, and you haven't factored in all your expenses, next year, Rego will come around next year, a bill will come around that you haven't factored in and you'll end up just selling out of the investments. So why do we bother investing to start with? So that's why bottom-up approach, we factor in all our stuff, we earn, we spend, then we save and invest. The top-down approach, look, a lot of people in the money world, they'll jump on and say, hey, you've got to just save 20% of your income. You've got to invest 10% of your income. Amazing. Sounds awesome. But if someone's coming out of the front line of life, because it's rough out there, things are expensive. There are a lot of people who are spending 50% of their income on rent at the moment and mortgage repayments. It's fact. It's happening. Is it ideal? No, it's not. 
So if I went to someone, a single mum, and said, hey, I want you to invest 20% of everything you earn, regardless of whatever, and then live off the rest, like the wheels will fall off because the math doesn't add up. So the top-down budget basically goes, we list what our income has come in, we then invest, then we save, then we spend. So it's the complete reverse way. And the reason I don't teach this is because it's so hard to get someone who's been working and spending for many, many years to just drop everything, cut everything out. So I really think, you know, the the top-down budget is good in theory, but it only really works for those who are very militant and like 100% dialed in. You're an engineer who's pursuing an aggressive fire and, you know, you just, you can do it that way. You're ultra frugal. But if you are still in school or university and you still might be living at home, if you want to start budgeting this way, it's really good to bake the habits and behavior into your life now before you start to attach all these expenses on. So that's why I think it's, um, and to be honest, there's probably a third way, third budgeting style, and that's your way. And that's the way that works for you. I'm not your guru. I'm not here to tell you which way to do what. But these are just anecdotally um, examples that I've seen where most of the time people either do a bottom-up budget or a top-down. And the reason, I'll just swing back to the bottom-up. The reason why I teach the bottom-up is because no matter who you are, you wake up every morning with expenses. So we've all got expenses. We've all got this critical mass of how much it costs us to wake up of a morning. And that needs to be covered. You can't decrease your rent overnight. So we just need to get a system in place. And I personally find the bottom up works that way. And that's why the Glenn James Spending Plan spreadsheet uh, builds a budget in that way. So you set up the systems, you set up the processes, And then it will tell you how much to put in which account each week. And then a little what's left amount. Your goal is then to gamify it. You can create a second copy of the spreadsheet and go, okay, what would it look like if I cut out all my subscriptions? I cut out all coffee. I sold the cat and gave away the kids and all that stuff. Like you could actually run some scenarios. But back to the bottom down budget, which is earn, invest, save, spend, as opposed to earn, spend, save, invest, okay? (laughs) It's really good to get in the habit if you are still living at home where you could go, okay, I'm going to try and save or invest 20 or 30% of my income each time I get paid and I'll live off the rest. And to be honest, if you're really, and this kind of plays into whether you're a spender or a saver, right? I'm a spender by nature. Hi, I'm Glenn. I'm a recovering spender. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. That's the group saying hi to me. I go to Spenders Anonymous, right? So it is in my nature to spend money. It's annoying. Have a lot of fun, by the way. Not going to lie. It's fun. So I've had to really put systems in place to help me. But if you're a saver and you are at university, you are living at home, this stuff It's going to be really easy for you if you're a saver, but I would really encourage you, don't lose sight of the now. Don't miss out on opportunities because you're so focused on saving money. And that's the dance, isn't it? 
you save and you want so much saved and you see and love your savings account increasing each week. But when your friend's like, oh, hey, we should go to this concert. Nah, don't have the money. Piss off. You got all the money in the world. You just don't want to spend it. A little bugbear of mine was like, I don't have the money. No, you do. You've just decided that you're not wanting to spend it on that. And that's fine. Just don't crap onto people. I know people that are like, oh, I can't afford to go out. It's like, no, you can. You're just a tired ass. You don't want to. And that's fine. Let's just not sugarcoat it all. Like, you're lying to yourself. No, I don't want to go out. I'd rather save my money. No, I'm not coming out for dinner. I'll come out for a drink because I'm hardcore saving for my goal. Don't piss in people's pockets and tell them you don't have the money. You work full time. You own two properties. Anyway, all that stuff. What am I getting at? I'm getting at the younger you are, the easier it is to change. The less expenses you have, the easier it is to change. If you are under 25 and you're starting out your life, I want you to treat your personal budget and your finances like you're a startup business. Expenses, it's agile. You know, we're not going to lock into a two-year phone plan. We're going to save up. We're going to buy a phone outright. We're not going to go on a contracts or gyms and all that. We're going to do month by month where possible because if the situation changes, you want to pack up and piss off overseas, you can just turn everything off and be agile and change. Don't tie your life down while you're young. Keep your budget lean. Keep your budget agile. You know, I'll just finish this you know, at university. You're at university. Your whole reason for living is to finish university and pass and not have any consumer debt. I don't care if you finish university and you got 10 bucks in the account. All good. Forget about hex. That's fine. Help. That's fine. That will sort itself out. But for now, your financial reason for living is to get through university without any consumer debt. Now, that could be a high bar for some and a low for others. But that's what I want you to do. That is your focus for life. Finish uni. No consumer debt. A dollar in the bank account is better than having $1,000 debt and finishing uni. Now, if you've got a single income, you might be single by choice or by life, haven't met someone and shacked up and all that stuff. There's actually nothing new. There was some chatter in the Facebook group about money for single people. And I did an episode at the end of last year on this stuff, but realistically, there is a single tax. And I mean that by the scale thing. If you've got to pay $500 a week rent somewhere, if you had a second person, it's $250 each. You know what I mean? Like it is hard out there. It is tough out there. And we talk about setting goals and being very intentional and dialed in with our money. As a single person, you have to be even more dialed in and intentional. And the only reason why is because there's there's less margin. So if you had two incomes coming into a household, oh, we've got money floating everywhere. Oh, it's great. It's grand. You can be a little bit sloppy with your goals because you can get comfortable with what you've got. And I know some people are listening going, yeah, right, there's two of us in, there's two incomes in and we're dying. Yeah, I get it. It's rough out there. But there are some other households because this podcast is such a diverse audience. It's lots of people printing money and they're getting a bit like comfortable and not focusing on their goals because they've got that much money coming in and life's good. They've got margin to move where if you're single, you need to be dialed in. Every single line item has to be maximized, has to be reviewed. 
go to bloody Costco with a couple of other single friends, fill up the trolley, split it. I don't know. We've got to control what we can control. And, you know, just being single and really dialing in is all I can really encourage you to do because there isn't any magical thing to get money to appear out of nowhere other than earning more. In fact, I'll remind you all of the four budget levers. These four budget levers can be pulled, whether it is a top-down budget, and I'll repeat again, top-down, we're doing income, investing, saving, spending, bottom-up, income, spending, saving, investing, okay? These four levers can be pulled with either style budget. The first budget lever is to increase income. So you want to keep everything, you want to keep your savings where they are, you want to keep your uh, 15 lattes a day where they are. You want to keep all your subscriptions and your gym where they are. Okay. Increase your income. That's one lever. The second lever, you want to keep all your freaking lattes and going to grilled 15 times a week because it's so expensive. You want to keep your gym. You want to do all that, but you don't want to increase your income. You have to decrease savings. Okay. This is law. This is science. This is life. Don't at me to say, oh, you can't say that. Well, I just did. There are only four levers that you can pull in the only two styles of budgets that there are. (laughs) So decrease savings, okay? Now, it wouldn't be optimal to increase income, decrease savings, unless you had some a big rent increase or a big mortgage payment. You may have to do that. The third lever that you can pull is review a category, and I use the subscriptions or like the fitness because they're low-hanging fruit to pick on. You might say subscriptions, I've got Stan, I've got Disney, I've got Apple, I've got Netflix, I've got Paramount. Okay, we're going to review this line item. Yeah, we're going to get rid of Paramount because NCIS Sydney actually sucks. Couldn't finish it, honestly. I just, I'm sorry, fantastic actors, just couldn't finish it. But hey, thanks for um, giving it a shot. So I'm going to get rid of Paramount. Uh, and I'm going to get rid of Netflix and I'm going to keep Disney and I'm going to keep Stan, okay? So we've reviewed a category. The fourth lever that we can do in a budget is to cut something out completely. So are you going to cut out subscriptions and just have the free iView, the SBS one? All the TV networks, you go to like seven plus or whatever the websites are, they've got got so many shows, just stream anything on demand as ads, like... If you really wanted to, like, yeah, we're just going to get our entertainment from the free-to-air apps and ABC iView and YouTube, you could do that. So you could, ideally, we want to focus on reviewing line items and, rev- and cutting out stuff before we decrease savings and increase income because not everyone can go out and get more money because they might not have the time to do a overtime or a side hustle or get a pay rise at this time. So back to the singles thing, you've just really got to maximise the whole four levers. That's what you got to maximize when you're a single person with a budget. You need to be hyper aware of your career because remember at the time and at the moment, it's only you. So you need to be the champion for your career. I need you to get a copy of the book, sort your career out and make more money. It was written for you. You have to be hyper focused on your budget. Choose whether you want to bottom up or top down. That's fine, but you have to be so hyper focused. And double income you have to be hyper-focused for the opposite reasons. And and that really is, um, you just don't review it. There's money coming in. We're wasting money. It's kind of that single slash high income or double income. That's when it can get, you can get in a bit of a trap. 
okay? Because you just get used to it. And I'll talk about uh, the budget killers because that kind of leads into it. Now, a lot of people have said to me, well, we're retired, Glenn. I'm talking, you know, mature, retired voice. Well, Glenn, we're retired from the workforce and we've got a sophisticated investment uh, plan with our advisor. It's great. We've got equities. We've got fixed interest, uh, term deposits. Uh, We've got our rental property and we've got our caravan. Uh, We are retired from the workforce, Glenn. Um, Do we need a budget? Yes, because remember, I don't care if you're 16 or 67, you've got income coming in and you've got expenses going out. There needs to be a reconciliation of the incoming versus the outgoing and what's left over. Simple as that. If you're retired, talking to you, mummy and daddy, You've got your money coming in from your superannuation pensions. You've got your Centrelink supplement coming in each fortnight. You've got income. You've got expenses. I know that you go to the IGA down the road. I know that you've got internet at home. I know that you've got car registration and insurance because you've got a second car. You can only get one on Centrelink, I believe, in terms of the free rego. You've got bloody trips. You go out for lunch. You go to the pub. You've got expenses and I categorically know you've got an income. So don't get under this illusion that when we retire from the workforce, we don't need to start budgeting. We don't need to stop budgeting. We don't need to start budgeting. We don't need to budget, whatever. If you've got an income and you've got expenses, you need a budget. It's simple as that. And there's no magic way. Like you could get, if you're 67 and have retired from the workforce, you could get the Glenn James spending plan, the first tab, income done. Different types of income. You might have uh, some employment income. If you're working your day a week, you might have some superannuation pension income. You might have some Centrelink income done. Next tab, all your expenses. You're not going to have a mortgage repayment if you've paid off the mortgage, but you will still have expenses. You will still have entertainment. You will still have taking the grandkids out. The third tab will tell you where to put your income each week. And it'll tell you what's left over. You really need to do this. Personal finance rises and falls off the back of your personal budget. I don't love, you know, I I kind of did and didn't touch on, well, I actually didn't, but we've heard the um, the zero-based budget, right? Where that is, you basically run a top-down, so you get your income and then you just allocate it to all expenses. So there's zero left. And the spending plan, I don't love that personally, because if I'm transferring a few hundred dollars a week over to my weekly spend account, I've not ever been to Woolworths to do my weekly shop and pay the exact amount each week. Hasn't happened yet. Because one week, probably every six months or however long it takes, I need to buy dishwasher tablets and they're $5,000. So some weeks I spend more at Woolworths than the other. I don't have to buy, I don't know, popcorn. I buy the kernels and cook it on the stove. I don't have to buy popcorn every week. Sure, I buy apples and bananas and fresh produce every week, but I don't love the idea of allocating an exact amount to a grocery line item I like to just budget and say, yeah, on balance, we think we spend $200 a week, $300, $400 a week at the supermarket. And then it kind of lives and breathes as it goes. 
But remember, the best system is the one that you've got and the one that works for you. I want to talk about now before I have a quick break and a drink of water, the two budget killers. And I kind of have touched on these, but I want to really bring it home. Budget killer number one, laziness and apathy. I kind of said that weirdly. Laziness and apathy. You want good results, don't be lazy and don't be apathetic with your budget and spending. Simple as that. I'm not saying check your bank accounts every day. I'm just saying make your spending plan a living document and be over it. Be on top of it. Make sure you know what's coming in and what's going out. Make sure you're aware of, oh, that insurance is due. Yeah, it's $1,200 this year. I thought it was around $1,100 last year. Oh, I've got to be on top of it. If you want results in your life with anything, whether it's your budget, whether it's your relationships, whether it is your fitness, whether it is your health, whether it is your hobbies and pastimes, the killer of that thing will be laziness and apathy. It's easy to say it, you know, say, oh yeah, I can save money. Saving money is easy. Just need to spend less than I earn. Oh, that's the easiest thing in the world. But walking up to the mirror and dragging that hunk of meat in line with what you're trying to reconcile on paper, that's hard. So we just have to be aware that laziness and apathy are the friends that will walk in and they're not life-giving friends. They are friends that they don't care, they're sloppy, they don't clean the house, laziness and apathy. Have you been lazy with your budgeting? Have you been apathetic with your own money? Maybe today is the little giddy up that you need. The second budget killer is not understanding it is a living and breathing document. And I talked about this just before. Your budget is an organism. It breathes, it lives, it increases, it decreases. It contracts, it detracts, whatever, you know, it moves. It's a balloon. At the moment, with the cost of living squeeze, you're really feeling it's like, it's tight. It's, you know, got to give it a bit of a massage because it's tight at the moment. But if you don't acknowledge that your budget or your spending plan is a living and breathing document, you will not have success. You need to give it that attention. And that coupled with laziness laziness and apathy, they're going to be your only budget killers. The third one is as well, there was two, but whatever, there's a third one I just thought of. If you're in a relationship, not having your spouse and partner on board. It's the start of the year. And if you're pulling your partner behind and your partner has got grazed knuckles because they're just like, I don't care about anything. I'm just a buffoon. I just walk around grazing my knuckles. Like, don't go through another year of them not being engaged. I want you to understand if they're not engaged with the money part, how do we get them engaged or at least understand? And 100%, if they're not engaged and they won't be, it's probably not a money problem. You probably have bigger relationship problems because why wouldn't you want to be with someone who is engaged with life and doing life together? Just got cold out there, just got quiet. Some of you are in really crap relationships and you think it's a money problem, but it's not. It is a relationship problem. Am I a couples therapist? Yes. Nah, just kidding. You need to go and get some counseling. If your partner won't go, go by yourself. You can't keep doing this. 
You can't feel like you're pulling everything yourself. You know, you can't push a rope. You just can't do it. So you have to get them to where you're at. And I know some couples that they've got the best relationship under the sun. One person is more engaged with the money. That's fine. That doesn't mean the relationship sucks. They're interested in like, oh yeah, so you've got it under control. Yep, sweet. I'm happy. But you know what I'm talking about when they're burying their head in the sand and don't even care about their freaking family's future by being dumb. And also if they're gambling constantly, that will wreck your life. It'll be only a matter of time. If you guys are worried that you don't have money for this and don't have money for that, and one of you or both of you are gambling on a consistent basis, you've got to cut that crap out. It's going to get you. You're not going to win. You might in the short term, but gambling, it will wreck you. Okay, I'll be back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Want to know what it takes to make a million bucks? Check out My First Million. Every week, we dive into different business opportunities and explain how to pounce on them. From one-man online operations to brick-and-mortar strategies, we cover it all. So whether it's your first million followers or dollars, start getting inspired with My First Million wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Radio, we're back. <laughs> I'm like, I'll jump on, have a little chat. It's been like over 35 minutes. Okay, I will finish with five things. And I, this was part of an article I wrote for, I think, House of Wellness. If you just Google Glenn James House of Wellness, I think it's a um, some type of online thing. I, I did this um, with the journalist at the end of last year for the start of this year. And I just thought I'd share the points because they're kind of cool. So five things to get your year in shape and underway. The first one, we've got to stop making the same mistakes, okay? So if last year, oh, kept doing this with our money, never get, like, stop doing it. It's weird. Like if I kept, um, at the moment, because <laughs> I moved into this apartment, I've got a big-ass bruise like on the back of my hip, Twice when I've gone to open the door, I've had crap in the way and it's, you know, those heavy apartment doors and the handle has slammed me in the hip. And it's just like the biggest bruise. And it's because I've got crap in the way. Now, I cracked it today and I moved all the crap. Sometimes you've got to move the crap and stop something occurring for it to not occur. So stop making the same old dumb money mistakes that you know you're making and they're dumb. Just have a look. 
look back at the last 12 months, write down, okay, what's three things that worked with our money? Sweet. What's three things that didn't work? Well, every time we went to bloody uh, the big green shed, we overspent. Okay, well, let's get a bit more strategic with going to the big green shed, shall we? It's Bunnings if uh, you're new to this. Number two, you're not looking to the future. So kind of coupling with having a goal for the future, and an old ancient proverb says, without a vision, the people will perish. So you need a financial vision for your life. And then with that, keep that at the forefront of what you want to do with your money. And that will stop laziness and apathy. And it will really make you dial in to this living and breathing document. So you've got to look to the future. I don't care if the future is next Thursday to get through to payday. That's fine. We're all at different stages. I don't care if the future's in a month or six months or a year. You might be underway. It's like, yeah, we're humming along. Things are good. We're looking three years time. We're going to have a, a deposit for this. And awesome. We've got to look to the future. Number three, and these kind of dovetail, you've got to start being intentional with your money. When was the last time we'll use the big green shed, we're going to get a new hose for the garden. That's all we're getting. Do click and collect. Be intentional with your money and having a good spending plan or cash flow system will really help you be intentional and not having laziness or being apathetic around your money will help be intentional. A mistake um, would be sticking to a restrictive budget. If it's not working and it's too restrictive, something's got to change. Because if you only had X amount a week to have at the supermarket and, you are, and you're like, oh, every bloody week we're $50 short and I have to transfer it out of my savings and it pisses me off. Well, I'm going out on a limb to say you probably just need to allocate an extra $50 a week for the supermarket. Things are expensive. Don't be too restrictive. Living and breathing things, yes, we need to tie them down. So you might have a, um, a stake in the ground. You might be growing some tomatoes, sure, you've got a little thing tied around it to keep the stalk up, but it's not strangling it. Living and breathing things like budgets, sure, they need to be tight and, you know, in check or tied down or whatever, but you know what I mean? But don't have them so tight that it's affecting your weekly life. You may have to save $50 less a week to have a better week. And then the fifth thing that will really get you uh, not happening, I've lost my words because I'm done now after this 40-minute solo, you've got to get the basics sorted. A couple of weeks ago, we did the episode on emergency funds. This is on budgeting. We might do one next week on life and income insurances. You've got to get the basics sorted. We've got to do get our wills and estate plans sorted because guess what? Trigger warning, you're going to die. Oh my gosh, that's hectic podcasting. It's so true. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we want to make sure with life insurance for our family, if it is before we're financially secured, if it is before our kids are left home, if it is before our mortgage is paid off, I'm sorry, but you need life insurance. You can get it from your super account. Sky will help you. Sky will set up a policy, Sky Wealth that is, where you can get an insurance policy that's 
with a quality retail insurer set up by a financial advisor funded from your super. It will help you if you're getting your budget under control before you can, you know, things are tight. So let's at least get insured. And once we clean up our debt, we might be able to swing back around and salary sacrifice more to super. But in the interim, and income insurance is tax deductible. I don't have many excuses here for not getting life and income insurances. You've got to get your foundation sorted. We might leave it there. And I'll just repeat, top-down budgeting is when we've got our income, then we allocate out and we might allocate investing, saving, spending, bottom-up budget. So the expenses first at the bottom of the P&L might be income comes in, spend, then save, then invest. Perfect world is to always invest first, but don't stress if you don't have the spare money and all that. We just need to get a system in place and around these walls and corridors, we talk about the Glenn James Spending Plan. It's a free downloadable online course. Uh, We used to charge for it. I think we used to charge like $99. I just want to give it away, get the word out there. Um, The Glenn James Spending Plan, you can Google that. Log in, download the spreadsheet. If you haven't redone your budget for the 2024, get that spreadsheet, get it all happening. Now, if you're like, Glenn, shut up, you dickhead. I've got my own budget. Awesome. I want you to get your schnoz back into your own budget and make sure that it's humming along. Make sure that you've got no laziness. Make sure you've got no apathy. Make sure your budget, whatever that is, top down, bottom up, make sure it's a living and breathing document because things always change. We might leave it there. My name's Glenn James. See ya. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. 